Welcome to the Energy Nerd Show, powered by Synapse Energy Economics and Climable.org. Energy Nerd Show. Our guest today on the Energy Nerd Show is Doug Coplo. He's the founder of EarthTrack. They do a great job tracking energy subsidies. They've been at it a long time, and um, I'm really happy to have him on the show. That sounds great. Welcome, Doug. Uh, thanks. It's very nice to be with you both. What do you want to tell our audience about energy subsidies? I think I'll give a little bit of background on what they are and why I think they're important. I think probably a lot of your guests have thought about carbon taxes and carbon pricing over the years and how that's an important instrument in trying to get better policy. I kind of look at the flip side of that. What are governments doing that are actually subsidizing environmentally harmful activities and making it cheaper to deplete the resources in our world and emit carbon into the atmosphere. I love this area, one, because it's um, fun to try and find where the subsidies are being hidden. And it also offers a very high leverage point to achieve some of the important goals that we um, all are jointly trying to achieve. Most of my work's been on energy, mostly on fossil fuels now, but in the past, I've done quite a bit on biofuels and nuclear power. Um, And I've also looked at other important sectors, things like uh, overcutting of forests, overfishing, water depletion, uh, subsidies to large-scale ag, and, and so forth. But you know, maybe it's useful to start with what exactly a subsidy is. When people think of subsidies, mostly they think about a check from the government. It's a grant or it's a welfare payment. And uh, certainly cash is a very important source of subsidy, but it's only one of a whole bunch of ways that governments transfer value to private sector individuals and firms and sectors. Uh, and you really need to look more broadly at what's going on. So some of these other things, tax breaks, government provision of subsidized loans and loan guarantees, and natural resources, non-competitive access to publicly owned forests or oil and gas reserves is a big issue. Subsidized risk and insurance, particularly can mute signals to transfer investment to less uh, problematic industries. Um, Sometimes you see regulatory exemptions. So certain industries will have a set of rules and then Other ones will have kind of not quite as stringent standards or exemptions from them. Uh, And in some cases, things are, you know, complicated and expensive. The government will just kind of step in and take it over. And I think uh, in the U.S., the government responsibility for dealing with uh, long-lived nuclear waste would be a good example of this. Are you suggesting that subsidies are like always uh, bad? So pretty much everything that the government does can be viewed as a subsidy by one group or another. Governments basically collect money and distribute it. They set rules which may or may not benefit certain groups. And they're not all bad. I think if they are contributing to negative outcomes in the economy, they are bad. And I I think this is a, a good question because it also says, you know, how do you deal with the gray areas? How do you deal with things that are maybe good in supporting income to certain groups and bad in terms of the environmental impacts of what's going on. And it underscores how important it is to really be able to see what's going on. So how big are the subsidies? Who's benefiting? What do you say you're buying with the public money? And are you actually getting that? And maybe when a rule was put in place in 1960 or 1920, you were getting a good trade-off, but maybe the things you care about have changed. You know, another thing is that Cash is pretty easy to measure, like there's money coming out of a treasury and going into someone's checking account. Some of these other ones are much more opaque. And politically, the opacity is not a bug, it's a feature, because it makes it much less risky for politicians who are creating the subsidies for the constituents to do it with lower political risk, because people don't necessarily see who's benefiting and how much. 
and it's lower risk also for the recipients getting it um, because again people can't see how much public money they're getting and it becomes harder for maybe other industries that are harmed by it to see it and organize to get rid of it one other important point is that usually firms will get more than one subsidy at the same time so we call this subsidy stacking. They may get it from different agencies, from different levels of government. And without visibility and transparency on what's going on, you often have a situation where it's only the company itself that knows their total take from all the subsidies. And this can be you know, really a big problem for trying to achieve uh, good policy. So a lot of what I've observed of your work over the years has been that you are identifying subsidies and making them more transparent and, and um, estimating the magnitudes of the cost of the subsidies. I wanted to provide a little bit of perspective on the total scale of these things, um, because I think that's a big reason why I think they're important. You know, subsidies, when they support environmentally damaging activities, they can really be an impediment to important change. And the subsidies, because they're politically allocated, often flow to the powerful. So in terms of fossil fuels, uh, I think it's pretty sobering that we're talking about carbon pricing but in 2021, the OECD and IEA estimated global subsidies to fossil fuels at nearly $700 billion a year, which was eight times the value of carbon credits and taxes collected that year. And that's actually an improvement because in 2020, the subsidies were 11 times the amount of revenue collected. So this is really a big deal. The World Bank estimates that less than a quarter of fossil fuels emitted around the world see any carbon price signal. Um, so... I kind of look at this stuff as subsidies are the hole that we need to climb out of before all the other policies that we put in place to try to deal with these problems actually starts to work effectively. And you know, one other sobering thing on the fossil fuel front, these estimates don't even include externalities. So the damages to human health and the environment, which are, which are really quite large. Last year, Ron Steenblick and I did a review of subsidies to, to multiple sectors. Our interest was how do these things combine and possibly put at risk um, biodiversity around the world? Um, and it, it's important to look multi-sectorally um, when you're looking at something like biodiversity, um, because, for example, you can have a subsidized road into a, a forested area that opens up a, a whole bunch of stuff, or you can have uh, layered onto that uh, subsidies to soy or, or palm plantations through biodiesel support that um, contributes the conversion of um, really unique um, tropical ecosystems into a less complicated monoculture. We did a, a survey and we found at least $1.8 trillion in subsidies across these sectors. So big deal. It's about 2% of global GDP. And again, we compare what are the subsidies to what are we actually doing to try and solve the problem. In December, there was a very important agreement out of Montreal. It was the Kunming Montreal Global Biodiversity Framework. And in that, they have you know, a strategy to try to reduce environmentally harmful subsidies. They're targeting a $500 billion a year reduction um, by 2020, but that's only a third of what we measured. And we know our measurement was already too low. So it's a, it's a big, it's a big issue. And one of their targets also is to increase spending on biodiversity protection by $200 billion a year, but the subsidies are at least nine times as high. Um, so these are a kind of indications on how important it is to incorporate these subsidies into uh, what's going on. One of the big things we do at Climable is try to increase transparency around all kinds of energy decisions. And I think we should probably add a page that just says, what is a subsidy? Because I think people don't even realize 
um, that long list you said a minute ago. And even even climbable is subsidized. I mean, if people write us a check for hundred dollars, that they don't pay taxes on that, so then it becomes public money, like you were talking about. Anyway, so I mean, the question I guess is um, sort of, would you help us with that with that page, or at least review it, because it seems super important, just the basic understanding of what is a subsidy. Sure, and you know maybe that's a good segue to the Inflation Reduction Act. You read the press on this, and there's a, a lot of excitement that it's the biggest investment in decarbonization, I think, in the world's history. It's about seven hundred billion dollars over or ten years, and so, you know, people will ask me, "Is this a good thing?" And yeah, you know, I have kind of a number of reactions. Um, the first one is that the fact that we had to do this to me is a policy failure. Um, so these are targeted subsidies to a whole series of groups. Every economist and most public policy people have said it would have been better if we priced the emissions and if we had priced them in 10 years ago or 20 years ago and 30 years ago. And the fact that we didn't means that we have to have the politically allocated subsidies to the groups that either people think are most important or that you had to stick in in order to get the bill passed. Um, so is it better than nothing? Sure. I mean, this is a big problem and we were failing on the pricing of carbon, um, but it's not a great way for us to be making policy. There, there's also, you know, stuff in there I'm not so happy about. Um, there's continued subsidies to biofuels and there's a lot of implications in terms of land use conversion and uh, ecosystem simplification associated with those. Uh, and there's really enormous unknowns on carbon capture use and sequestration subsidies. When you have a budget subsidy, you have an X amount of dollars and you allocate it and that's how much you spend. But the big subsidies to carbon capture are through the tax code. And there used to be limits on how much could be allocated and those are gone. So you have higher subsidies per ton sequestered with no limits. And you actually have a lot of reporting weakness on who is claiming the credits. You can't really see what's going on. So to me, I, I very much worry about this and I worry that it's going to entrench some of the carbon intensive industries in, in the country in ways that um, maybe people aren't expecting at a cost that's going to be a lot higher than people are expecting. So we've got a big national policy then that's a mix of different kinds of subsidies that to some extent are um, working across purposes. And we've got a long history um, of having, um, you know, policy on the one hand promoting one thing and policy on the other hand um, undermining it, right? Or promoting, the, the, again, working uh, against each other. It seems, seems very uh, inefficient and um, depressing as a species that we can't, you know, get more uh, coherent and organized about this, these things. Yeah. And I mean, of course, we got to add in, there's a lot of stuff going on at the state level. We think of the federal government being the most important, but in resource intensive states, they often do have you know significant uh, subsidies to fossil fuels as well, uh, sometimes on the order of tens or hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Um, and then you, you know, you'll have trade implications too, because the U.S. is uh, exchanging energy with other countries. So yeah, it's complicated. You can objectively say there's a ton of ways to do it better. And one of the things that um, we're trying to do, I do a lot of work with environmental groups and international agencies. How do you standardize reporting? How do you make it um, more regular, more consistent, more comprehensive? Uh, you know, you do internationally have an issue that mostly what they're picking up are certain types of tax breaks 
um, and government grants. Uh, so they're missing a whole bunch of stuff in the other areas. And sometimes what they miss is important. So um, what's the first rule of holes? Stop digging. <laughs> Stop oh, digging. right, right, right. So Doug, where should people look if they want to find out more about energy subsidies? So a great place to start is, uh, is my website, earthtrack.net. I'm happy to respond to emails. Um, I get lots of ones uh, from everywhere and sometimes strange ones, but I'm always happy to see what people are seeing and uh, have a conversation with them about it. Well, great. Thanks for all the good work you're doing. And uh, thanks for being on the show. You're very welcome. It's nice to be here. Bye, Doug. Bye. Check out the show notes for visuals and links for more info on the topics discussed. You can find the Energy Nerd Show on social media pretty much everywhere at Energy Nerd Show or on our website at energynerdshow.com. Thanks for listening.